Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here. And we pray that you get something powerful from today's sermon. 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're headed into this time of devotion, if I can put it this way. I just want to talk to you a little bit about this to begin with. And you, you know, I know many of you read the Old Testament and um, many of you, like me, probably get frustrated with the Old Testament because the pattern is really simple. Um, Israel gets close to God and then they go away from God. They get close to God, then they go away from God. And, you know, I'm reading the book of Kings at the moment, Second Kings at the moment, and it just goes one king after another. It says he, he follows after his father Ahab or his ancestor. And what happens is Israel, time after time after time, continue to worship some god other than the creator of the earth. And the result of that is their lives and the country go askew. And we know that it ended up in exile in, in Assyria and later in Babylon for Judah. And, um, but the problem lay in their worship. Because when they worshipped the wrong God, everything else in their life transitioned that way as well. And so, you know, I know as Katie was leading this morning, she was talking about worship and it's good just to be back in the building. You know, we've been online the whole time. It was good to be back in the building and hearing other people worship at the same time. It's just a, it's a great experience. But worship is much more than just what we sing. I understand that, but the singing part is important. The um, verbalising what you're thinking, what you're feeling is important. Uh, it's actually, worship is, is not an emotional thing, it's a thinking thing. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment because most people enjoy worship because of the emotional experience. On the contrary, worship is meant to be a thinking thing. Someone thought up the words that you sing. And those words have meaning and the idea is that we would reorientate ourselves to the one we're singing to. Worship takes many different forms, many different, many different ways that we can worship, but ultimately the desire God has for us is that our hearts would be devoted to him in worship, in other words, he's the prime one. He's the, the one we give ourselves to. And as we do that, we continue to change. And so we're heading into this time of prayer and fasting. And the goal is that we would become even more devoted to him. And in the process of becoming more devoted to him, we are transformed. We're changed. My message this morning, when I get to it in a few minutes, is a little different to the one I had on Friday, um, because I was going to talk to you all about fasting. I'm not going to do that as much this morning, but I do want to make some quick points. You know, we know that Jesus started his ministry fasting and praying, 40 days and 40 nights. It's an interesting thing to think about what he did and how he did it. Uh, uh, amazing. We know that in the midst of his fasting that the enemy came and tempted him, tried to draw him away because ultimately what, what was happening was Jesus was worshipping God and the enemy was trying to get him to go his way and it started not in his heart but in his head. 
in his thinking. And Jesus' responses were thought-through responses based on what he'd learned, not on what he felt. And yet too often in our relationship with God, we go based on what we feel rather than on what we've learned. And when we, when we act based simply on what we feel, we can go astray. The reason the Israelites got themselves into trouble time after time after time was because they went on how they felt rather than on what they knew. And it, it got them into trouble. So we're headed into 21 days of prayer and fasting. And the goal for me is to precipitate a move of God in our church and in the churches across our nation. And you may say, well, that's a big ask. Yeah, well, we may as well, we've got a big God. It's, it's not us that makes that happen. It's God that makes it happen. And, and, and I want you to join with us and ask big. I want you to join with us and, and, and pray and fast in whatever way that you can. And let's ask God for something profound to take place. There are many, many needs, and, and we understand that. And some people say, well, you, you know, like, what are you fasting for? For me, most of the time, I just say it's devotional. And because I, I don't believe that we can somehow twist God's hand. That, you know, if you go without food for a week or two weeks, that somehow God is forced to do something he doesn't want to do. That's not the way that it works. But our act of devotion is, is another step forward in worship. It's, um, it's prioritizing him at a time where other things are really our priority. And Mitch said it this morning, you know, he doesn't like fasting. Why? Because he loves food. And so there's this prioritizing. And, and, and you know, when you're hungry, it's amazing how everything becomes more attractive. It's amazing how when you're fasting, you can smell things a, a lot more acutely. It's, it's, it's like, hmm, what's that? I can smell this, I can smell this, I can smell... It, it, it's, your senses become heightened, if you like, and the challenge is resisting that temptation and acting in devotion. And so for you, I want to challenge you. Join with us and let's believe that we will in our time of prayer and fasting precipitate a move of God that will transform us and the people around us in the process. You know, I want you to turn, if you've got your Bible, you may not have your Bible, turn with us to Romans 12 uh, verses 1 to 2. And, and we're in the middle or we're near in the end, if you like, of the in-between series. And, and the whole idea of this in-between thing is this. There is this point at which we receive Christ and there is this point at which we die. And everything in between that is where we live. And it's a journey. And, and, and you know, that journey is, is a long and at times difficult journey for some people. For others, it seems easy, but it always looks easy from the outside, doesn't it? Now, I was talking to Tim Ong. I don't know where Tim is. It's somewhere there. Can't see him, but anyway. Um, I was talking to Tim Ong. You know, he, he just travelled overseas and he was in uh, Italy. He was in Switzerland and he was in London. And I said, wasn't that a uni study tour or something? And based on the photos that we've seen, it just didn't seem to be a lot of study, you know. <laughs> and, um, and, and he clarified some of that for me. But the point is this, you know, when people post on social media, they always show you the, 
the highlights, don't they? Some of you will have kept up on social media with our trip and you would have seen some of the highlights that Ruth gave you. And she'd show you shots from the top of the lookout. She didn't show you how hard it was to get to the lookout. There was no video recording of uh, of heavy breathing as you were trudging up through the dirt and the mud and everything else that that you go through to get to the top of something to have a look. And, um, and, And so the reality is most people's lives look easier because of the way that they're portrayed. The goal is this, that we might in this in-between period, enjoy the experience and the challenges we face and know that we get to the other end, honouring God and helping others around about us. Romans 12 um, verses 1 says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. And and, and you know what Katie said this morning around communion was, you know, Christ gave himself holy. It was all of his... He he sacrificed himself completely, uh, but the reality is for all of us, most of us, we give part of ourselves. And that's why worship is so important. Because the process of worship actually uh, means there is an opportunity for us to give something that we hadn't previously given. It's not just a, 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 a rote practice. It's not just something where you repeat something over and over without thinking. That's, that's not real worship because ultimately worship comes from our heart. It's what, what's transferred from in here to, to him somehow that makes the difference. And, you know, as we worship and, like I said before, as we think about uh, what we say and what we do in our act of worship, there is something that's transferred from here to him. It's not how good you sing, which is fortunate for some of us. It's, it's not how well you focus. It's your ability to persist that makes the difference. Because some of you will seem to get it all right on one day and the next day, it's like, it's like you wiped out everything that happened on the good day. And then you think, oh, I'm just going to give in. Don't give in. All of us are sinners saved by grace. And if we persist, we continue to incrementally get closer to God. And so Romans 12 and verse 1 says, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. And Paul here is speaking of our whole selves. He says, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. Now, when we read that, we, we have some insight or some understanding of what's being said, but, but for the Jews uh, uh, to whom this was written to, to the Romans that were there, they'd have been very, very familiar with the practice of sacrifice. Now, most of us here understand something about, from a biblical perspective, what a sacrifice was. Uh, and, w- and we know that Jesus was a sacrifice on behalf of us for our sin. But there are a few things that were important with the sacrifice, and the Old Testament reminds us that the sacrifice ought to be something that's pure, unblemished. In other words, you don't take the lamb, you know, with the broken leg and think, yeah, that'll do for a sacrifice. That's not good enough. There's a, there's, there was a system and a process and, and what was sacrificed to God need, needed to be acceptable to him. And there were standards, if you like, 
that um, people had to comply with to ensure that what they sacrificed was going to be acceptable. Now, what Paul is saying here is to offer yourselves as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to him. The reality is this, and I don't want to hurt you by saying this, is you're not acceptable to him as you are. You're only accepted in Christ. The the truth of what we're like sometimes hurts us. And I'll get to what we need to do about that a little later on. But the truth of what we're like hurts us. And, you know, if we could find, and the only one thing we know who is truly perfect is Christ himself. And if he's a hundred out of a hundred, then we rank somewhere below that. Now, some of you might consider yourself to be 80s and 90s and 70s and 60s. I don't know where you rank yourself in relation to perfection, but, you know, every single one of us is, uh, is below 100. We're not acceptable. We know that. That's the gospel message. That's the, that's the truth. And the, and the thing is this, we are accepted in Christ. We're carried into God's presence because of the work of Christ. And therefore, the Bible also says we can, we can enter his presence unashamed. Not unashamed because we're somehow perfect in our own right, but unashamed because we stand with one who has covered us over, who, who, who stood in our place and taken our place. It says, so offer yourselves a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable, when we know for all of us that's in Christ. This is truly the way to worship him. And so when we talk about worship, we worship him as one who comes under the covering of the blood of Jesus Christ. If I was to ask you a question, why it is you are reluctant to find yourself in God's presence, most people would say, it's because I don't feel good enough. Why don't you pray more? Yeah, no, I'm just not good enough. Why don't you do this? I just don't feel good enough. And the list goes on and on and on. And we usually say it's because we're not good enough. I've got good news for you today. You don't have to be good enough. It's Christ that's made you good. You are able to worship not because of your goodness, but because of his goodness. Now, when we sin... Guilt comes in, is that right? How many of you have sinned in the past week? Just a few. <laughs> All of us? Jared put his hands up multiple times then. <laughs> oh, he wasn't pointing at Wendy, I hope, but anyway. <laughs> we're, we're, we're all sinners. And, and, and you know, the only difference between us all is the level of acuteness or understanding that we have of our sinfulness. You, you, you know, um, ignorance is bliss. In other words, when we think we're not sinning, it's usually just because we're ignorant, not because we're good. But when we sin, what happens is guilt comes. And when we feel guilty, we're more likely to hide ourselves from the one who can take away our guilt. 
Now, children growing up, there was times where they misbehaved. I know that's surprising. And Ruth would often say, wait till dad gets home. And what would happen is I'd come home and unusually one of them would be hiding in their room. Not hiding in their room, but in their room. Why would they be in their room? Not because they were told to go in their room, but they didn't want to see me when I come home because they knew they were guilty of something that I would have to talk to them about. And um, whether that should have happened that way or not is another question, but let me say this, that's what we do with God. When we're naughty, we hide from him. And usually we punish ourselves by withdrawing from him further and multiply the impact of our sinfulness by withdrawing from him. Do you know when someone you love withdraws themselves from you, it hurts you, doesn't it? The goal is reconciliation, the goal is restoration, the goal is not withdrawal and separation. And yet, when we feel guilty about our sinfulness, we withdraw from God because we don't feel good enough and the end result is perpetual separation. It's sort of like when you withdraw, unless you find a point or a moment to be restored in relationship, it continues. And now there's a question, why is the church prayerless? I think often because we don't feel good enough. We're ashamed to ask because we don't deserve an answer to our request. We're ashamed to front up because we're not sure what it would mean. There's this innate sense of we've done wrong. Maybe I just shouldn't be here. And yet Paul is addressing this here and he says, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind you will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. You will never be good enough and nor will I. But in Christ, we're completely and totally accepted. And you may say, what has this got to do with prayer? Your approach to God in prayer is affected by what you think God thinks about you. And when you think that he thinks something adverse of you, then it's more likely that you'll withdraw from him. And in the process, separation continues. Second verse says this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let me read that to you again slowly. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Going back to the pieces that Katie was saying, and I don't know how many pieces there are of you that you've given to God and how many there are left that you hold on to, But the goal here is that we would continue to increase the number of pieces that we have that we have devoted to God. That we would take another part of ourselves and the process of transformation is us continuing to offer up to God the part of ourselves that has been previously unoffered. 
And I don't know about you, but there are some things that you have to offer up multiple times because you think you give it up and then you don't. Now, Paul refers to the customs, um, sorry, my eyes are adjusting, don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world. The customs and the behaviour of this world are unhealthy for us and there are multiple ways in which we could describe it. But the simplest way I think for you to accept is this. The world is about competition. I said before something about social media and, and all of us, when we look at someone doing something, oh, wow, they've got it good. And by inference, I wish I had it that good. Do, do, do you know, it, it, all around us, there's this feeling of if only I was a little bit better off, if only I had a little bit more time, if only uh, I could have that experience. It, it leaves you with a feeling of deficit. And that's a part of the world in which we live. And I've said it before, but marketing works towards um, creating that desire in the hope that you'll purchase whatever it needs that will help you feel like you've taken another step up. And the, the more you respond to marketing, the more likely it is that you will spend money to compensate for the shortfall that you have. And what we need to do is, is, is eschew that, push it away, say, no, 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 I am complete now, not in and of myself, but in Christ. I am perfect in Christ. I don't need hair on my head to be perfect. I don't need to wear whatever to be perfect. I don't need to drive whatever to be perfect. I don't need to, you know, I love the advertisements where you can work a four-hour week and you'll be, you know, richer than everyone else in the world. And you think, that's rubbish. But the goal, it's like, you, you know, you don't need all the time in the world. Your life in, in, in its structure and makeup in Christ is perfect as it is. But there is a process of transformation that God wants to continue to draw you into and towards if only you're willing to respond to him. You know, the customs and the behaviours of this world are so destructive we're all aware of the, the word political or the phrase politically correct. There's virtually nothing you can say without someone shouting you down now. Your opinion isn't your right. It's, it's got to fit within the construct of those with the loudest voice. You know, if if you're wearing black today and everyone else thinks black is terrible, then they'll shout you down to the point where you're no longer allowed to wear black. And this is the system and the world that we live in. And, and, and now there are some voices that are speaking for good, but there are others that are, that are simply speaking for their own agenda. And this is the world that we live in. Can I say this? You, you know, the Bible is clear. There is therefore now no condemnation, condemnation to those who are in Christ. 
The God we love and serve is a God who doesn't want us to be judges. Our goal is to express the love of Christ to all of those around about us, whatever their choices and decisions. It annoys me at times that the church is identified with judgment in some form or another when ultimately the thing that Jesus said we ought to be known for is what? Our, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, by the love you have for one another. And it doesn't mean there are not important issues to discuss, but we can do it in a mature way. That the behaviours and the customs of this world are unfortunately destroying the people who make up the world. And so you might say, well, what's this got to do with prayer? The reason often we are prayerless is because of the behaviours and the customs of the world in which we live. The way we've been taught to think, the way we're expected to act is contrary to worshipping an eternal God, a creator, a miracle worker. The psychology of the, the, the world that we live in teaches you certain things and, and some of those are in contrast to the God that we serve. And so what we've got to do is go back and understand again to be transformed in our thinking and begin to believe like we've perhaps not believed for in a long time. You know, why, why do we pray? Well, prayer is a conversation. It's a discussion with our Heavenly Father and it's a, meant to be a two-way thing. And we know that God communicates to us clearly through His Word. We know that He communicates to us by His his Holy Spirit who lives within each one of us. But ultimately prayer is, is the ongoing maturing of the relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father. But it also offers us or affords us the, the, the possibility of a sign, a wonder and a miracle. There are times where we pray for things and God works a miracle which is contrary to the custom and the behaviour of the world in which we live. And so if the musos would like to come now, I'm going to finish in just a moment, but I want to challenge you. Set at the start and I'll, and I'll finish here. I want us to believe for a, a move of God as a result of our prayer and our fasting. I want us to pray believing that God will work a sign, a wonder, a miracle in the people around about us. And, and I know for some of you, you've prayed for many years for particular things and, and, and you've not received an answer to prayer yet, but push in. Let's believe for God to do something profound despite the challenges that we face. I want to finish by reading Hosea 6 and verse 3 and I haven't got time to go into the context, but let me read what the verse says. It says this, All that we might know the Lord, let us press on to know him. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of dawn or the coming of rains in early spring. The outcome I want for you during this time is that you might know the Lord. That another peace that has been withheld would be granted or given to him. 
that somehow, some way, God would do something profound, not only in your life, but in the lives of those that you pray for. We serve a God of signs and wonders and miracles. And, you know, the reason we're praying is for God to do something extraordinary. And I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to believe for God to do something extraordinary. Peter and John, as they were walking, you know, reading in Acts chapter 3, they're walking along the road and the layman was there by the, he's, he's, he's asking, begging for money. Peter's response was, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give to you, rise up and walk. And he took the man's arm and lifted him up and he began to walk, a sign or a wonder, a miracle. Let's believe for God to do signs and wonders and miracles. Will you stand together? We're going to sing something. I don't know. Something. And I want to give you an opportunity to respond this morning. I want to give you an opportunity to think about your position, your experience, your relationship with God. I want you to be able to think about worship. You know, holding a a melody isn't the key to excellent worship. Giving your heart to Christ is. It's a thought, it's a thinking process. There is emotion, but it's a primarily, it's a thinking process. And in these last few moments that we're here together today, I want God to transfer something the sense of excitement that he wants to do something in and through you. He will, I, I want him to transfer that to you today and through you today so that others will be able to join with us and see something profound take place. Father, I pray, even as we're standing together in this place, moved by your Holy Spirit, do something profound. Not, not when we start praying and fasting, but even right now in these few moments as we respond internally in our hearts, as people cry out to you, Father, I pray, do something profound. Let a move of God give us insight into a move of God that is is going to take place. Let it happen right now, I pray. Let it begin right now as we're here in this place. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including our service times and live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.